Okay, so after the last ceremony, for two weeks or so, you felt like you, it was with you. And then after that, it, what happened after that? Life. Life happened after that. I mean, that's, that's, that's it, right? You, life is our quality control. Going through life and it's like, oh, I feel so full of love, I feel so full of joy, I feel so peaceful and feel so happy, and then life comes along and pokes you. And it's like, all right, what's really inside of you? I mean, not that the frustration, irritation is the only thing inside of you, but like, what else is in there? It's like one of my favorite quotes when Ramdas said, if you think you're enlightened, go spend the weekend with your family. Go speak, spend the weekend with your parents. <laughs> it's really easy to it's really easy to be enlightened on the mountaintop, and then when we're faced with real world stuff, then we get poked and we see our stuffing starts coming out. I feel like there's two different routes that you can take with what you're talking about, and the one route is the longer, more difficult route, but it's also the more straightforward route in a way, which is just changing your life, which is like restructuring your life in such a way that those things that are causing you these issues are no longer an issue. I know that's kind of obvious, but if you notice that driving is causing you a lot of this, then maybe ride the bike, ride a bike. That's really obvious, like everyone can tell you that. Go to the doctor. Oh, a doctor really hurts when I poke myself like this. All right, we'll stop poking yourself. Sometimes that is actually, depending on the context, that can actually be a really simple solution. Like people bemoan and belittle Band-Aid band fix-up jobs. But if you cut yourself, isn't it just reasonable to put a Band-Aid on? You know, it's like you cut yourself, you go, oh, okay. We don't need to make a big drama about it. We don't need to deny it and just walk around bleeding everywhere. We don't need to go like, oh, I cut myself, I can't believe it. And just take the Band-Aid, put it on. Sometimes that's easier said than done. That's why I said it's sometimes the longer, more difficult kind of road. The other angle is going on the inner route which is, that was kind of the outer route, right? Fixing it, from, fixing it from the outside. And then the inner route is the more ambiguous one. It's the one that is less linear. Because if you, let's say the issue is driving, you never drive again, that specific type of irritation that you get while driving theoretically wouldn't happen again. The root of it is still somewhere inside of you. It's still going to come up, but that specific irritation wouldn't. So we're going, it's, it can, it is, in a sense, it's more superficial too, right? Going from the inside out is more ambiguous because how do you really know when you've hit the root of it? You think you hit the root of it. You think that you've accepted it, that you've felt it, that you've processed it, that you've integrated it into yourself, whatever that root of that irritation is. But then a week or a month or a year later, a similar situation happens and suddenly, boom, there's that same irritation again. So it's more ambiguous. But the simple answer with that, it can be simplified. And it's simplified when we say that the goal is to get on the path. I mean, you're already on the path. You've been on the path a long time. But when we're on the path, 
and those kinds of things happen, we can say, okay, this is part of my path. This person who just cut me off, they're my teacher now. This person who just, just about sideswiped me, this person today, they're my teacher. They're teaching me about compassion. They're teaching me about patience. They're teaching me about myself and my own reactions to the world. They're teaching me about my animal instincts. In this moment, in this blink of an eye, when this person almost killed me, <laughs> they taught me so much. And how do we maintain even that kind of mindfulness, right? Because it's one thing to say that. I can sit here with you in ceremony and say, okay, when this comes up, this is what you can do. Here you go, you just do this, remember that they're your teacher and now everything will be fine. But also that doesn't work because what if you don't remember that they're your teacher? It's like life is a roller coaster. Life is just a ride. And it's often easy to forget that it's a ride in the peak of those intense experiences. In the peak of those experiences, we feel fully alive, like someone cutting you off in traffic. There's a certain intense focus. There's a certain intense focus. But also, there's a forgetting of all of those practices. There's a forgetting of the fact that it is a ride. So then, taking it one step further back from that is having a daily, ideally daily practice to help build that muscle memory of mindfulness so that it's not that you won't react necessarily, but that the reaction will diminish over time. And also your ability to come back increases. So when you're developing a practice of already pulling yourself back gently in a friendly way, then you've already built that up so that when it happens in real life, what happens in your day-to-day -day life, and you're out there in the world, you're not on the yoga mat, you're not on the meditation bench, you're not in the ceremony, you're out there, and it happens, then you're familiar with that space of, ah, okay, you catch yourself faster maybe one day the reaction stops, but I don't feel like that's the goal. If there's a goal, I feel like the goal is to just acknowledge that you are on that path. To acknowledge, ah, look at me, I caught myself. And maybe you catch yourself in a second or a minute or a day or a year after the event, but that over time we're, we're decreasing that lag time. And the cool thing is that as we decrease our lag time, we're becoming more and more and more and more living in the present moment. Because we become aware of a reaction we had a year ago. Well, we're, we can fall into thinking that we're living in the past. And the worst case scenario, one of the worst case scenarios, is we think about that event in the past and we just kind of get lost in our past and then we just start self-flagellating with all these mistakes that we made back then. Oh, remember this person cut me off and then I gave them the finger and then I was really angry and then I went and yelled at somebody else. So you're seeing how... There's two ways you can take that, right? You can look at, oh, I got angry, I reacted, and then I went and I, I passed it on, basically. But also in that, you can see how there was an opportunity to 
we could call it eat that karma, to go, I got, I got angry, but I didn't act out. I got angry and I didn't have to act out. Even just that level of awareness is valuable. The key in all of that, the, the glue of all of that, of everything that I just said, is first stopping the self-flagellation, stopping the beating yourself up because you made a mistake, and instead returning to a place of friendliness. That's at least my view on it, is that if you can look at how, in this imagined situation, you flip someone off. I mean, I'm sure you've never flipped anyone off in your life. Never swore, nothing. Looking at that situation, this hypothetical situation, and even if you weren't friendly to yourself then, being friendly to yourself now for that situation. For example, a decade ago, or thereabouts, I, was, uh, I had this nice new motorcycle. And I was driving along the road towards UBC uh, through the endowment lands, you know, beautiful forest road, fast. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this minivan just comes, comes within inches of just ending my life. And how did I react? I, I sped up, I rode like this, one hand on the throttle, one hand flipping her the bird, for an uncomfortably, un- uncomfortable length of time. An uncomfortable length of time. Minutes. For minutes, I was driving in front of her, flipping her the bird. And eventually, she, the, it returned to two lanes, and she got beside me, and she was she, just, she raged at me. She almost killed me. But because I reacted to her, because, I mean, probably I triggered all this, you are bad, you are wrong, you made a mistake, and a shame. I triggered all this shame in her with my reaction. And so now she's reacting at me. And so what's my reaction again is anger, frustration, um, disbelief, like how dare you, without taking responsibility for then the reaction that I had caused in her. Because probably her almost killing me was terrifying for her too. But I didn't have that perspective at the time. So I didn't eat that karma. But what can I do about it now? I I did the math about 14 years ago. So what can I do now 14 years later? One option I have is to just focus on that event and just play it over and over again in my mind and think, wow, I was such a terrible person. Um, And have this kind of neurotic thinking of like, oh, I'm... It's all my fault. It's, it's, I'm so bad. Or I can be a bit more friendly to myself and to her and, and to have a bit more compassion for the whole situation. For me, and not only that, but I had um, my partner at the time was in the back. So it wasn't just my life, there was two lives involved. So compassion for how traumatic that was for me, compassion for how it was probably terrifying for her, this, this woman in her minivan. You know, seeing that... And, and guess what? There have been times that I've cut people off too <laughs> and probably terrified them. Just seeing that we're all 
part of the same circuit and finding that friendliness for each of us. Wherever we are and what position we are in that, in that wheel of suffering that just keeps on turning, it keeps on turning as long as we keep acting it out. So seeing wherever we're at in this wheel, just having compassion for that place in that wheel of suffering. So you're driving, someone does something, you get irritated. Hopefully, you can find a reaction in you of seeing where you've done that to somebody else and having compassion for your reaction of tension, forgiving the tension and understanding that the tension is sort of valid. Your body's reacting to a threat. Maybe that threat detection mechanism's a bit cranked up. And for those of us that have been through trauma, that threat detection mechanism in the brain is set to 10 all the time, always looking for threats all the time. Which you can have compassion for that too. And if we are not at a place and this is like a moment-to-moment thing, because sometimes we're in a place where we can have compassion, and sometimes we're just not. Are we willing to have compassion for ourselves and we don't have compassion? And if we're not willing, are we willing to be willing to have compassion for ourselves when we don't have compassion? (laughs) It's Russian dolls of compassion. And if you're not willing to be willing, are you, can you at least find a willingness in yourself to at least be friendly to yourself? Just, I'm willing to be willing to be friendly to myself. And this all goes, now we're going in a positive upward cycle of as soon as you can at least be willing to be willing to be friendly to yourself, your practice, whatever your practice is, whether it's, you know, journaling, seated meditation, walking meditation, um, drum journeying, guided meditation, whatever, whatever your practice is for connecting with yourself and connecting for the wisdom that's inside of you and connecting with creating space inside of yourself. And the more space you have, the more, uh, the less likely you are to have those big reactions. So whatever your practice is for creating space inside yourself, being friendly to yourself is only going to improve that. This is something we were talking about earlier where we can get lost in this idea that the only way we're going to make progress is by kicking our own, kicking our own butts, right? Instead of, the truth is that for long-term progress, being friendly and disciplined simultaneously, gently disciplined. We have this idea because for many of us, discipline meant physical abuse as a child. So that's not what discipline is. Discipline is prioritizing short-term pain and long-term gain. Prioritizing, okay, I'm going to do this thing now. And it's not easy now. I'm going to sit and do just even five minutes of seated meditation, of whatever practice resonates with you, that even if I really don't want to, knowing that that's going to, it's going to have positive impacts on me in all kinds of different ways. And maybe I don't want to do it now, but maybe I can find joy in that process once I'm actually there. Does that answer your question, or is that, is that an answer to your question? There's many other questions that came up along the way. Okay. <laughs> Even the karma is what stuck with me. I love that. 
being friendly and very hard on myself. So, right? Being friendly and eating the karma are big ones, yeah. Not jumping on the reaction. It's like uh, walking along a, uh, a hiking trail and you tumble. How fast do you catch yourself? There's any number of different reactions you can have, and they're all fair <laughs> to falling down a hill while hiking. You didn't expect to, right? Obviously, no one, no one wants that. How many times do you roll before you go, Ugh! How many times, how many bumps and bruises before you stop? I've heard, I don't know if this is true, so be, I, you can fact check me, but I've heard that in car accidents, drunk people tend to have fewer injuries. Yeah? Yeah? Because their system's more relaxed. So, drunk people and stoned people have fewer injuries. In car accidents, yeah, there's, there's less resistance and it's, it's like, I, I mean, this can seem like a paradox. On one hand, I'm saying, when do you stop, which is resistance. And then on the other hand, there's just relaxing into it. But also if you think about, if you're tumbling down a hill and you just kind of turn into a blob. You're going to tumble less. You probably tumble less. You just kind of... If you just put mindfully, okay, I'm just splaying. I'm splaying. Okay, now you can't roll either. It's this in-between indecisive panic state that really messes us up. And it's in that, it's, I'm relating that panic state to when we're just compulsively acting out that karma over and over again. We're compulsively, we're taking in this pain unconsciously, and then we're compulsively acting it out again. And then that wheel of suffering just turns and turns and turns and turns and turns. Whereas if we can either slump into it, <laughs> which is, um, I, I've been reading this book uh, called The Body Keeps the Score. One of the things it was talking about was some really disturbing experiments they did on dogs, which I'm not going to get into the depths of it right now. But essentially, I'm just going to paraphrase it and summarize it. Dogs that have been really badly traumatized and trapped while traumatized, if they are then re-traumatized in a situation where they can get away, they won't. They'll just slump. It's a, it's a trauma response. So it's something to be aware of. That the slumping isn't necessarily the best response, the most, the response in our highest good. But again, using that metaphor of rolling down the hill, it, does, it will slow you down. But not as much as decisively choosing consciously with clarity, I'm stopping this right now. You know, I, I see this with parents a lot. We are the inheritors of so much trauma and so much pain and so much baggage. When we say, I refuse, I refuse to pass this on, that's when we're coming into an incredible place of power. Like, I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm 100% committed to not passing this trauma on. That takes us to an incredible place of power. All right, so there was like part two of the question. 